Excited to be in God's Word. If you wouldn't mind just in advance starting to turn, we're in Acts chapter 8 this morning and getting a chance to work through different stories of the early church. And hopefully you've seen why it makes sense that we've titled this section that we're currently in as Irresistible Church because you've seen God to be irresistible first off in Jerusalem, drawing people that had initially rejected Jesus Christ. Now they've embraced Christ, and now not only have they embraced Christ, now they're breaking outside of the walls of Jerusalem, and the forbidden people of the Samaritans have now also started to embrace Christ in the irresistible church. Last week we had a a fun account of the magician that first came to Christ, and now this week we're going to see that it's expanding even further, this irresistible church, to reach out to the very first African convert. And so excited to be in this story in the book of Acts working through that. But one of the things that hopefully you've noticed as well is beyond Christ being at work behind the scenes, you also have noticed that God's choosing to use people as the means to accomplish this. He's not just sending angels or doing the miraculous independent of people drawing people to himself. He's literally using us as his ambassadors to reach out to people. And I was thinking about that this week, even reading this story. What a huge privilege that is, that God's allowed us to partner with him in redirecting people's eternities. Literally, seeing eternities change because of our involvement. And so hopefully, as we go through this morning's text, you're going to see some great resources for living a life of impact. Because otherwise, what's the alternative? Otherwise, we've, we're left with the mundane. We're left with a nine-to-five job, just helping somebody else get rich. We're left with the living for weekends. We're left with Netflix reruns. We're left with a lot of things. We're watch, left with watching grown men play kids' sports. We're left with a lot of things. Where if Sorry, that's too soon to the Super Bowl. Uh, but, but we're left with a lot of things that, if we're not careful, we'll come to the same conclusion as Solomon did. It's all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. What God did in his kindness was included us in something that gives us purpose and meaning and fulfillment, the ability to redirect and change somebody's eternity. Let me pray as we dive into this text. God, I thank you for your choice to not go on this effort on your own, your choice to include us, but you've given us also a choice whether we want to be involved or not. I pray that even this morning might be a catalyst to move us towards opening our eyes to see the opportunities that we're surrounded with, the the nudges that you give, the, the places that you're working, and even people that we know in our circle of influence right now. I pray that you'd stretch us, that you'd grow us in this area. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So this story, it starts in verse 26 of chapter 8 in Acts, and we've just been gradually working through this account of the early church. Take a look at this ultimate example of a nudge, following God's nudges. It says, uh, says this in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. I'm going to stop there just for, for a moment just to point out a few things that might escape you on this little description. The, the first is this, the obvious, that this isn't exactly a subtle nudge when God sends an angel to literally speak to you and give you instruction. That, that's, a, that's a big deal. And what I find interesting in that 
is that when God has a specific plan or something he wants you to do, he's not vague on it. You're, you're not left after hearing God's voice, well, I, I wonder what I'm supposed to do. Like, how clear does he spell this out? Go towards the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem and Gaza. He's very specific. For those of us that are like, man, I'm not sure how I can know when God's giving a nudge, understand that he's very clear when he's doing it. When he's nudging you to do something, you're going to know it. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't still require faith. When you receive a nudge that he's pushing you to do something, it often it's clear on the instructions, vague on the why. Anybody else notice that sometimes with what God calls you to do? Very clear on the instruction, but vague on the why. And that's where it takes the stepping out on faith. If you think about this for a moment, what's happening? Philip is just finished being a part of this huge revival in Samaria. Things are like, as far as somebody that's ministering, he's like, this is a sweet time where I'm seeing tons of people respond to the gospel. Now he's like, wait a second, you're asking me to head. We learn uh, in kind of further review that this is about a 60-mile trek that he's being called to make to this, this random desert road. You could see that would be a, a very easy time for Philip to be like, why, God? Why in the world would I leave what I'm currently doing for something 60 miles away when I have no idea what's at the end of that trip? But what I love is you see his response. It says immediately, it says, that he says, and he rose and went. May we as a church be those people, rose and went people, people that when God nudges, you're not there, well, let me pray about it, let me think about it. No, you respond and go where he sends us. May, us be, may, may we be a, a people that respond well to nudges. It's fun talking to Stephanie. Stephanie's really good at this, uh, responding to random uh, nudges in her life. She's telling the story this week. I uh, had vaguely remembered her doing this. At some point this past summer, she felt the, the nudge to hand deliver a caramel apple bar to her hairdresser that she didn't have an appointment with. And so she, she's like, yeah, she's like, all day we had just done a, a caramel apple bar at the church for something. And she's like, I thought it'd be really nice to drop this off. And God kept bugging me about it. So she went with a, a girl from her church and delivered this hand, like a big tray with apple and caramel and all the fixings to dip it in and all of this stuff. And you imagine this random lady was like, why? <laughs> and she's like, well, I just thought, I felt like God wanted you to be encouraged today that he, he, he loves you and cares about you. And the lady's like, she's like, this was late in the day. She's like, you wouldn't believe it. She said, Stephanie, all day I haven't had a single break. I haven't eaten a bite and I was starving and just waiting for some kind of provision. And, and she's like, and then you show up with a caramel apple bar. And so now how that's translated now, whenever this lady's going through, she just recently had a surgery. You know who she calls to have pray for? Calls, calls Stephanie, actually, Adrian or Stephanie or Nancy, anyone in the church office because she associates our God with somebody that meets her at her place of need. Isn't that awesome? Just that, 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 that little nudge behind the scenes. You see, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if when God nudges you, you actually responded, even if it doesn't make sense? There's our first observation and kind of building ourselves towards an outreach mentality. The second one, see as it continues. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, 
who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip, look at his response, ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. All right, I want to stop there just for a second. Now, just thinking through that story, does it seem like there's any part of that story that seems like it's a coincidence? Any part of that that you're like, oh, that just, that's just random that that happened 60 miles out. You know, just a, this guy was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah out loud. Do you, does that seem like that's me? Or maybe the possibility that God was on the move, that he's on the move, working behind the scenes, orchestrating this circumstance. Anybody vote that that might have been the possibility there? Uh, 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 Man, there's one person in here that voted. Okay, so I'm pretty confident that God was at work. And really, when you think about it, as far as outreach, that's our task. That's our job. One, to respond to nudges, but two, to have eyes to see where God is at work clearly, and just join them in it. When we see this, when we look around in our, our, our circle and see like, man, man, it sure seems like they're ripe to the idea of talking about Christ. Oh, it sure seems like, man, he's, he's doing this, he's moving this, he's orchestrating this for us as part of this adventure of a life of impact is having eyes to see where God is at work and joining him in that. You see, he, this was super random. This guy, this, uh, this description of this guy, uh, what do we know about him? It says that he's a eunuch from Ethiopia. He's a court official of Candace. So he works for the government. If you think that your work demands a lot of you, uh, consider this guy. Um, he's made a, sorry, did you catch that? Like he's, he's a eunuch because he's in that occupation. They maybe missed that in the fine print on the application. But either way, a pretty, pretty miserable experience for somebody in order to play that role in the government, to have a significant role with a queen or a woman of influence, there was some sacrifices that had to be made. So we know this about him. He's a court, court official held in pretty high esteem. I was reading a little bit about the way things worked back then with government as they had kings at the time in Ethiopia, and the kings were actually seen as gods, as divine. And so the kings didn't have anything to do with running government because that was below them. So they had the queens, like Candace in this instance, that were actually living out and executing the functions of government. So kind of the the man thought he was king, and the women did all the work. Does that sound familiar? Anybody's household? Sorry. Uh, But you you get the idea here. This is what's happening. And so a lot of times people will read this text, and even a lot of commentators that I was reading this week, they're saying, you know, this is a great example of God moving away from the masses to reach the individual. Because we don't know what he was doing or why he would do this. I read it and I see exactly the opposite. I see God literally hand choosing the specific spokesman to an entirely new people group, a people group that didn't know anything about the one true God. 
So he's literally handpicking the first missionary to Africa and doing it in style. Literally, if you think about that, that, that kind of process, this is how it works. The people we reach with the gospel then have the potential to reach their entire circle of influence. So you're not just impacting one person's life. You have the potential to impact all the people's lives around them. When I was younger, my family got to be a part of pointing, uh, who's now my best friend, my best friend Joe uh, Basil, to uh, Christ. And it's been fun just watching this adventure. He's a, a pastor up in Fresno. And anytime I, I visit up there and see some of the people that he does a wonderful job connecting with, I'm like, oh man, it's so neat how God uses different people in different groups. Like there's people with lots of tattoos that he connects with that I would not connect as well with. And so, so it's fun to see how God uses our influence to influence those around in our circle. And so here we're seeing that it was just watching what God was doing and joining him in his work. This man obviously was trying to discover who the one true God is. I was looking it up just a little research on this. It was about a thousand mile trek from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. That's a big deal. It's a pretty serious intent of somebody. We don't know exactly the background, how he was introduced to Judaism, but this was a, a, a big deal that he would be coming there when he's surrounded by kings, that he's coming to discover who the one real king is. We think about the promise that we have that if we search after him, if we seek him, we'll find him, if we search him with all of our heart. And that promise is true here. God's bending over backwards, meeting him where he's at. So the couple takeaways for us. One, the practical one from that section is having our eyes open to see where God's at work and joining him in this. And then secondly, for us to literally be the one that speaks up. Be the one that speaks up. You think about in that, that little story there, who is it that initiated the conversation? That, conversa- that, that conversation. Even though he's prime pickings for introducing a spiritual conversation, it still took Philip to speak up. It says in the text that he ran to him, that he literally rushed to him and then asked the question, so what are you reading? So what, what, what are you up to? Oh, oh, is that Isaiah? Oh, is that a description of the Messiah? Like it, it took the initiation and for us to realize that it's not, there's no such thing as a mute ambassador. It literally takes that awkward, sometimes difficult starter of the conversation. I was uh, thinking back to a story I heard a, a number of years ago. I worked at Willow Creek Community Church with Bill Hybels, who I loved his heart for evangelism was wonderful at engaging with people. And he tells the story of a, a one time he was taking, it was, he was taking his, his trash out in the middle of winter, and he decided to make a quick run to the curb in his sock feet. And in Chicago, this is a, a big no-no. This is like, uh, it's living kind of on the edge because it's freezing. And so he's like, he's rushing out there, and he said, wouldn't you believe it? Right when I got to the edge of the driveway with the trash cans, the neighbor that just moved in in the last couple of weeks was there also with his trash. And he's like, I hadn't met him. So he, he's like, man, I felt this really heavy nudge to go talk to this guy. But then he's like, but I'm in my sock feet and I don't want to. 
But God just kept bugging him, bugging him. He's like, just go talk to him. So finally, as a begrudgingly, hey, welcome to the neighborhood, goes over and talk, talks to him just for a minute. Ends up just being a, a brief conversation. But I, I love he tells this story. He said, that was the first of a random series of weekly, could not believe it, that we always took the trash out at the exact same time. He's like, he's like over the next six months, uh, I don't remember months, but an uh, extended period of time, he's like, we're always taking it. He's like, I would choose to take it out early. I'd choose to take it out late. Either way, it was at the same time as this guy. He said, we started a trash relationship. We started, started, started talking and engaging. And before you know it, that man ended up embracing Christ. That man's wife ended up embracing Christ. That man's children ended up embracing Christ. Why? it started with taking a risk in conversation for us to engage, to choose to engage where we see God at work, whether it makes sense or not. Verse 32, third point. So we're watching for nudges. We're responding to where God's at work. And then this next one, meet people where they're at. It says, now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Again, the ultimate, like this is the Babe Ruth underpitched softball, like the ultimate like engagement conversation. Are you kidding me? Like he's reading in Isaiah, which first off would have been pretty crazy for this guy to get a hold of a copy of that. I'm sure he paid a big price for it, showing his genuine interest. We don't know why he's reading from Isaiah. I was reading one commentator that was saying maybe it's all the promises uh, to eunuchs found in Isaiah 56. We don't know. Uh, but either way, he's there, he's reading this, and he's asking, what does this mean? How, how do I make sense of this? Now, for those of us that engage in a typical real-world stuff, you don't usually walk upon somebody reading Isaiah out loud, uh, although that, <laughs> that would make things easier, wouldn't it? Uh, but here, he chooses, he chooses to meet them right at his point of, per, of perplexity, the, the, the place where he's like, man, I just have questions. Not trying to come up with his own agenda and his own formula, the five spiritual laws you need to walk through. No, he's meeting him right at, his, at the place of, uh, of interest. For us, I was thinking about that just application-wise, how we practically don't have to have some huge agenda with somebody. Just get to know him. Ask where they're coming from. Get to know their heart. What's happening? How can I meet them at their place of interest? This past week, we're, uh, Adrian and I are trying to sell uh, a used car on Craigslist, which is quite an, an adventure in and of itself uh, with the interesting people that show up. And uh, so we had, we had a couple uh, that showed up and actually met uh, here in the church parking lot and, uh, to see uh, during one of the work days this week. And this, uh, this man and, and his wife and it's always this, um, this awkward time when they're wanting to test drive it. And so he's uh, wanting to test drive it. And he, he goes and he just kind of leaves his wife. And I was like, is this like a ransom? Like, I don't, I don't know uh, what, what it was. But it was just me there. And it was those few moments of, okay, this is going to be probably a 
five to ten minutes that I'm going to be here talking with this person. So start enga- engaging with her, just asking stories. What does she do? What does she like? Like all these things. She starts telling me about she's a nurse and how she loves working in that field and how all this stuff. And, and I'm thinking, you know, how can I move this conversation? Because I have to have an illustration for Sunday. And, uh, and so... <laughs> And so, so, so I'm like, all right, I'm like, all right. So, so I asked her, I, I said this to her, I said, man, I said, I said, I, I love science stuff. And I said, I feel like the more I explore and see anything about the, the human body, the more I am convinced that there has to be a creator behind that. Have you noticed that too? You know, just subtle stuff, you know, just a uh, subtle thing. And, uh, and, and her response is, no, I just like the blood and guts and stuff. It's kind of fun. And like, she's like, uh, I was like, okay, so that, that wasn't going there. So, so here, here's my, my point and reason for bringing that up is sometimes it goes great. Sometimes you have somebody that you're teeing up and it's going to be well received, perfectly landed. They're ready to convert. Other times it's a failed pitch. You know, like clearly uh, I dropped the ball there, but, but here, here's the idea is to enjoy the adventure of it. Like it's not the end of the world, throwing out those pitches out there. And sometimes they hit them, sometimes they don't. But the idea is this, is that our job is to figure out where people are at, meet them in that place of need, try to engage where they're at. He did a good job. Obviously, Philip better than me. Take a look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Pretty awesome story, like pretty, pretty, pretty picture-perfect gospel message response. Like, this is the ultimate. You see, he responded Peter starts talking to him, and I do find it fascinating that he moved the conversation from Isaiah to talking about the Messiah, from, uh, for, from the takeaway for us, looking for us the opportunity to move away from whatever the peripheral question is to talking about Jesus as quickly as possible. It's so easy you'll find in different people as they have different kind of side peripheral things to talk about uh, uh, old earth or new earth. I don't know, but what are your thoughts about Jesus? To move past all the peripheral things and engage people, moving them, what are your thoughts on Jesus? How does he relate to your life? And here, I love you see that he had the ability, he had the knowledge enough of Scripture to be able to understand how to answer the questions in Scripture. For us, that's maybe a little bit convicting for us to make sure that we have a a mastery of the Word enough that we can meet people at the point of perplexity, that we can move things to talking about Jesus. The fact that we've been entrusted with the answers to eternal questions. Think about that for a second. You've been entrusted with the answers to eternal questions that people around us are desperately wanting to have answered. And for us to not take that lightly, take that responsibility. Love to think about his response there. Talk about somebody that was ripe and ready to dive in, literally dive in. He sees water and he's like, I'm in. 
As we talk about in church, baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. So God did a work inside, and he's like, I want to express that externally. I want to I announce it to the world. There's no reason to hesitate. So pretty awesome opportunity, this man. And I was thinking about that. Do you think Philip, at the end of this experience, was thinking to himself, you know, kind of wish I wouldn't have said yes to this nudge. Kind of, I kind of wish I would have stayed back. I kind of wish I, I, I would have stayed as a, in my family uh, history of a, a blacksmith family. I should have probably, I could have gotten a bunch of horseshoes made today. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no part of stepping out in this adventure that God's entrusted to us that leaves any, I don't know if he was a blacksmith, sorry, I, don't, I made that up. Uh, but, but there's no part of this that you ever look back and be like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done it. Take a look at verse 39. Talk about an adventure. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's think about that for a second. This, this is just God just straight up showing off. Like pretty, pretty sweet account there. Like God's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this with an exclamation mark. This guy, he, he, he responded to the gospel, comes up out of the, the, the water. The guy that just baptized him is instantly, poof, gone. How sweet is that? You know, he lands, I was looking it up, about 20 miles away in another town. Like, talk about confirmation. Do you, think, do you think at the end of that experience, do you think that this Ethiopian man, this official, ever went back and was just like, you know, this is no big deal. Like, do, you th- do you think he, just interpretation by voting, do you think he ever talked about this with anybody ever again? He, absolutely. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? It says that he left rejoicing. And isn't that what the gospel is? That's just rejoicing in what God's done in our life. It's not some kind of a huge thing where you have to have some formulaic deal. It's talking about what God has done for me is possible for you to experience too. So he went on, and I'm confident. In fact, church history tells us uh, outside of Scripture, the idea that this man went on church tradition says that he went on to be one of the biggest, most influential missionaries in Ethiopia, and even still today, Ethiopia has a a very large Christian population. You see, God moved in this specific man's life because he's like, man, I'm I'm expanding this to become even more irresistible outside of the walls of Jerusalem and even all into Africa. All of this, though, he chose to include a person in include a person it started with a nudge then it started with with a, a a responding a speaking up when the opportunity allowed it it responded with a meeting a person where he is at for us today we have the same invitation to be a part of eternity redirecting encounters my hope and my prayer for us is that even going into the week ahead we'd be responding to nudges we'd be looking for where god's at work and we'd be speaking up as he provides opportunities. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the story and this account that gives us a, a picture of your design for how this is supposed to work. You do the nudging. We do the watching. We do the, the, the speaking up. 
and then you bring home the fruit. You literally change people's lives. Leave them celebrating. Leave them cheering about their salvation. I pray that you take us just, pray that you take me from the, the mundane and the ordinary into this life of adventure, that we wouldn't settle for less, that we choose to engage, we choose to take risks, God. Thank you so much for giving this purpose and meaning to our life. We praise you for that. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. So little homework assignment maybe to try this week is next seven days. What if you just started praying for God to give you some nudges in your week? And you'll commit to following through when he nudges. That's, that's living a life potentially of impact. My hope is for you to try that in the next seven days. And if you have a fun story, share it with me. I'd love to hear it. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.